Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very accomplished professional from India, Anubha Doshi. Anubha, welcome to the show. Namaste. Uh, Anubha is the founder director of Art Sphere and Soul Sphere. She's also a psychologist. Uh, my, she's a mindfulness-based psychotherapist, facilitator, an expressive arts therapist, and a classical dancer and a Reiki practitioner. So Anuva, before we talk about art sphere and soul sphere, tell me a little bit about your own journey in brief. <laughs> um, so I think um, as a child, I was I was brought up in many states of India. I was born in Kolkata. Mm-hmm. Um, my education was in Delhi. Then I got married in Rajasthan and I'm in Pune, settled in Pune now. So I feel like I carry India with me, right? Like I, if someone asks me where are you from, I, I don't have an answer because I have something from here and something from there. And I feel like the best of the East, West, South, North of India. Mm. And um, as a child, I was, I think, completely inspired to keep doing something. So when I was 10 years old, around 10 years old, I was an avid reader. And at that time, this was 40 years back. Uh, there was one small bookshop, not even a bookshop, it was a gift shop and there were some books in it. And every Sunday, my outing with my father was going to that gift shop and buying all the books possible. Mm-hmm. And I was an avid reader and that shaped my world a lot, my worldview a lot. Mm. And I had this idea of running a library and all the, because I had, it just happened that I had the maximum books in my colony or society. Mm-hmm. And I just started running the library at 10 years at a tender age of 10 years. And I was like really entrepreneurial and wanted to work from mm. childhood. So then I started running that library and then I started collecting money. And I told my dad one day that what do I do with this money? I've actually got money, right? And should I buy more books? And he told me, no, I'll buy you the books. We'll take this money and contribute to a blind school nearby. There was mm. a blind school nearby even now they have a blind school uh, mm-hmm. pet and all and we sponsor the education of some children with those with mm-hmm. that money oh, so wonderful. that it goes to yeah. a good cause mm-hmm. so i think that like that was the background for me to understand that you don't live just for yourself mm-hmm. and there's something about serving the society and giving back so since then whatever i have done has had an element of service back to the country and giving back wow. and that is what has shaped my worldview Fascinating. Fascinating. So now let's talk about art sphere and soul sphere. Tell me more about both these uh, entities and how the idea for this unique arts and healing center came about. Yeah, so um, uh, when my teacher came to India, my uh, uh, the pioneer of dance therapy, Tripura many years back, she went and studied in the US, something called dance therapy, which where you combine psychology and dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing of this nature in India. And she kind of pioneered and made the way for the arts and psychology to come together mm-hmm. in the whole of India. We, and I joined her. Mm-hmm. And I started running her, uh, you know, kind of work. I started taking her work forward in Pune in a small way. So we used to organize these workshops in different parts of the city mm-hmm. where people could come and see the beauty of how arts can be therapeutic mm-hmm. and how psychology and arts could have such a deep impact in your healing process, right? Mm-hmm. And then I realized slowly, slowly, 
that there was just no space that mm-hmm. you know was bringing artists together the space accessibility was not there there wasn't one place where we could organize such workshops and i was from delhi and i had a rich cultural background of dance and music and the part of pune i live in which is a famous koregaon park mm-hmm. is very cosmo but didn't have so much uh, classical art and culture and drama and i said okay let me start a space mm-hmm. and then again a lot of things like i we believe in uh, when you want something something shifts right something in divinity help my father came forward so this way a lot of people came forward and we managed to open this center the center that you see this my office mm-hmm. and we managed to start a studio a space 10 years back mm-hmm. uh, in heart of pune where we could offer good quality art and cultural experiences and performances mm-hmm. and slowly that kind of started expanding over the years mm-hmm. and now we have three spaces and one terrace so simultaneously in three studios we hold classes and there's a mental health counseling center called soulsphere so we have two verticals mm-hmm. and two different spaces so one is a performing arts vertical where all the classes happen all the performances happen and one is a mental health vertical called the soulsphere where the counseling therapy and the courses happen. amazing so this is so tell me a little bit more about how uh, therapy uh, you know and performing arts are interconnected which is why you've got both of them in one space yeah very difficult to say that in brief how much time do we have mm-hmm. um so the inherent belief is that arts itself is transformative Mm-hmm. um and even when you go to watch a play uh, like from the greek times right there was a, there was a catharsis that happens for human beings like mm-hmm. you cry and the actors cry right there's a release of emotion yeah when what something beautiful like a performance right you're moved so art itself has inherent transformative power mm-hmm. and when we combine it with psychotherapy the knowledge and the theory of psychology mm-hmm. one can create an experience for your client which is really beyond words beyond talk therapy beyond just simple counseling and you create an experience in the space mm-hmm. which really moves your client and it helps material from the unconscious mm-hmm. to come to the conscious of the client in a safe way where it has a very deep impact in the body mm. goes beyond just words like art doesn't need words mm. so that's how therapy and arts come together and we've seen the impact of the arts therapy as very very powerful mm. fascinating and that's why it caught my interest as a dancer and then i studied psychology and uh, mm-hmm. and i've been studying it that currently was and then how anupar do you uh, bring in buddhism or buddhist philosophy yeah uh, into therapy and healing yeah so uh, this is also quite a journey um, so i realized when i was studying psychology that there was so much emphasis on the western models mm-hmm. uh, the psychology is like a game from the western world and the us and we have some really great uh, uh, psychologists freud you but i felt there was something missing like the uh, you know like the chapters on indian psychology or philosophy in a book were missing mm-hmm. there was just no information in literature and we are such a rich culturally rich country right we have all the philosophies the gita the um, you know gautam buddha's words and all which we have which carry a lot of 
weight and power, right? But it's just not been channelized in a way that people can understand, the lay person can understand. So since many years, my teacher and I have been studying the Buddhist philosophy, Gita, Hindu philosophy, Indian psychology in a structured way. Mm. So I trained in Buddhist psychology, mindfulness, and currently also I'm studying uh, the Buddhist texts. And so is my teacher, Tripura Kashyap. And COVID period actually gave us the time to really sit together and create movement sequences based in Buddhist philosophy. Mm -hmm. So we took some concepts from the Buddhist philosophies, which are universal, like mm -hmm. loving kindness, mm -hmm. metta, compassion, mm -hmm. uh, joy, mudita, equanimity. And we took the meditative elements from the Buddhist philosophy, took the meditations, and we created movement sequences around those meditations and those concepts and then we created an entire program which mm -hmm. we offer as a small course with the Mira College now called the therapeutic value of uh, arts and Buddhist philosophy mm -hmm. Buddhist psychology mm -hmm. so we and we did this with a lot of students so a lot of students have done this uh, we've also created a program in chakra healing so we created Indian philosophical concepts and created movement sequences and brought them together mm -hmm. and we realized that it has a deep impact and we presented this work across the world in uh, the American Dance Therapy Association, the Expressive Arts Association. Um, and our work has been published in the CAET journal. Mm. So we've really taken this forward in the psychological community as being recognized mm. as something that can be actually offered. Mm. How amazing. And exploring its potential. Mm. How amazing. Thank you for sharing this. My next question, Anubha, is that, you know, when people come and talk to you before they start jo join one of your programs, what are some misconceptions people might have about dance therapy? Hmm. And how do you address them? Yeah. The first is that I'm going to teach them dance. That hmm. they have to copy like how, how that's the traditional concept, right? And uh, they think that I'm going to teach them dance and they have to copy. Hmm. And the second is, but I'm not a dancer. Hmm. And I have two left feet, right? And the beauty of uh, art therapy and dance therapy is that we don't teach them anything. Mm. It's about exploring their own movement potential, which mm. we all have as, even as children, right? We have a natural movement. So it's exploring your own movement vocabulary. So nobody is teaching anyone. Mm. There are general experiences designed for everybody. It could be as simple as uh, coming up with a gesture for your own name. Or what does your name mean? Mm. Or coming up with movements that uh, that resonate with your name. So it could be as simple. That's the first thing that we do, right? So we start exploring with your name through movement. Mm -hmm. So we just use the gestures. We use the language of gestures. We also do borrow from the dances. We mm -hmm. also borrow from contemporary dance, classical dance. We use a lot of mudras. We make stories with the Indian classical gestures. Mm -hmm. So things which are really simple and can help you explore your creativity and help you express better. Hmm. Fascinating. These so are the two myths that get busted first. Fascinating. My next question is that what are some of the key principles of positive psychology yeah. that you incorporate into your workshop, workshops and your sessions? Yeah, so as I was studying and I was on the journey of mindfulness for this psychology, I came across, uh, I mean, we are taught the field of positive psychology, but I came across this beautiful intersection of positive psychology and Buddhist psychology and neuroscience. Mm. So there's a lot of world surprisingly happening, a lot of work happening in the world around this. And we are actually late to wake up to the potential of uh, 
mindfulness and its benefits. So there was an intersection of mindfulness practices mm. and positive psychology in your well-being. Traditionally, psychology is known as a study. Clinical psychology is the study of diseases, mental health illnesses. Mm. But positive psychology and Martin Seligman's work talks about what about human potential, flourishing, what about well-being, gratitude, compassion, and the qualities that uplift your soul, uplift your spirit. Mm. And I realized that our Indian philosophy has many elements like this, right? Mm. Talking about self-actualization, meeting, uh, getting nirvana. Mm. So positive psychology is the field which helps go there. So I found that really, uh, you know, like going really well with the work I was doing. Mm. And I love designing these workshop experiences. And I worked with corporates, with students, with people who come to the center. Mm. In terms of how can we flourish, how can we lead a better life? Mm. How can we bring these qualities in our life, compassion, service, gratitude, um, and uh, give back to society? What does it do? What does generosity do? Mm. Why are people generous? Why does our well-being increase when we give? So we found out, and the more I was going deeper in the study, that neuroscience talks about the helper's high. So altruism and philanthropy actually increase the well-being in your uh, brain. So your well-being goes up. Rather than otherwise, Human beings are constantly just thinking about themselves and they're drowning in their own problems. But the minute you focus outside and start helping others and have a higher ideal, which mm. even Gita talks about, that pitch for a higher ideal and you'll never feel sad again. Right. The Lai Lama talks about um, if you learn to be happy for another person, which is altruistic joy or mudita, you'll never be unhappy because somewhere someone is happy in the world. Mm. So I started focusing on the intersection of these fields and what it does to your well-being. How to increase your well-being. Hmm. Fascinating. Let's now talk about mindfulness, you know, because that's another area that you do work on. How can our viewers and listeners incorporate mindfulness practices into their daily lives for improving their well-being? Yeah. So mindfulness um, has become a big subject now. Like yeah. the schools which are making mindfulness compulsory. The US offers apps for mindfulness for free. And India is waking up to mindfulness. Mindfulness is simply paying attention to the present moment in a loving, affectionate way. Right. So being completely right. one with the moment mm -hmm. and being just here and not in the past or in the future mm. for increased well-being. So it's said, neuroscience talks about the benefits of mindfulness and we just like very simply, like starting from your morning coffee or tea, just sipping your morning coffee or tea slowly, like really being with it, feeling the taste, feeling the warmth, the aroma, smelling, so just starting from there. And then we do a mindfulness walk. So you go in nature, so you're getting the benefits of nature walk and mindfulness. So walking mindfully, pausing, doing a check-in, mm -hmm. body scan. These are the things that you can bring mindfulness in your daily life. So pausing, bringing mindfulness, even if you're folding your sheets, so doing it everything very slowly, opening up all your senses, um, really breathing in, connecting to your breath. So basically really slowing down, mm. pausing, reflecting, and breathing. So very simple ways that you can bring mindfulness in your daily life. Mm, amazing. My next question, Anubha, is that what role do cultural and artistic traditions 
play in your therapeutic approach? Traditional and artistic tradition. So I'm, I'm an expressive arts So I bring in all the arts. Mm -hmm. And arts in a way that the layman can relate to. So it doesn't have to be any form of art. But yes, there's a lot of talk happening about decolonization of therapy mm -hmm. and making it very local and central and relevant to India. Mm -hmm. So we are also trying to bring in Indian tradition, right? Mm -hmm. Like how we've introduced uh, Buddhism, Chakra, bringing in India. And even in the artistic things, people are bringing in the folk dance of India, mm -hmm. Rangoli in visual art, Henna, mm -hmm. Mehendi. Mm -hmm. So these are the ways that we are amalgamating and decolonizing therapy and making and owning therapy and making it relevant to the Indian context mm -hmm. where we are still. So Anubha, my next question is that what advice would you give to parents seeking to foster resilience in their children? Yeah, so I think that's a really relevant question in today's times. And uh, I've been working with a lot of parents and parenting coaching in this space. And I'm also writing a book in which there are nine mothers who come together with their own stories, mm -hmm. like sharing their own stories about how uh, you know, how they navigated motherhood, right? Because mm. it's not the same anymore. It doesn't look like how it looked for our mothers. Mm. I think what's really important is building emotional intelligence in children rather than focusing only on rational intelligence, right? So the three kinds of intelligence and the, uh, the problem with our society is that we just focus on the academic or the rational intelligence while the emotional and the spiritual intelligence are higher than the academic. And each child is born with something, right? That's what positive psychology talks about. That work on the strengths of the child and don't focus on the weaknesses. Mm. What happens to parents is that the report card comes and the child may have done well in four subjects and lesson two. Their entire focus goes on, okay, you didn't perform well, you didn't perform mm. well, and you just start going and jumping on that, those two subjects, and you forget that there are four subjects that the child has done well. Mm. And let's focus build on that. So positive psychology talks about strength focus building. So mm. you focus on the strength of the child mm. and not on the weaknesses. You can work on that if you want, but don't make that the focus and appreciate the child. And that's how you're going to build the child's intelligence and also focus on building the emotional and the spiritual portion mm. rather than just the IQ, right? The whole focus is IQ, right? Because okay. you think that's what is needed for success. But that's not that anymore, the holistic model of health mm. and developing a childhood strength is IQ, EQ and SQ right. makes a complete package. Correct. And if you develop emotional intelligence, automatically the child will learn resilience is what being able to overcome in adverse situations, right? The ability to bounce back in adverse circumstances. Mm. How does one build that? Our school is focused on teaching the subject. Nobody talks about how to deal with failure. Mm. What do you do if you have a heartbreak? What do you do if you fight with your friends? How mm. do you navigate conflicts? Nobody talks about these important life skills. And that's where psychology, mindfulness and positive psychology play out with you. Very well said. So I have time for two more questions for you. Sure. Uh, my next question is that what are your thoughts on the intersection of creativity and mental health? And why I'm asking you this is because mental health is now a very important subject that is being openly talked out, talked about in a lot of communities in our country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God for that. Right? Absolutely. We needed to talk about it. Time, absolutely. Yeah. So I think I'm right in the middle of it, right? As an expressive arts therapist, that's what I do. 
Mm. I bring in the creative arts, poetry, mm. dance, music, uh, movement, art, writing mm. to trans to you know enhance and um, garner the potential of the arts for the transformation mm. and helping human beings reach their highest potential. Mm. That's exactly what I do because sometimes I feel. Um, sometimes people are not able to really express what they are feeling. Mm. But art becomes the third or the container for them to be able to express their true feelings. Mm. And that helps feelings from the unconscious to come into the consciousness of the client themselves. And mm. they are able to see see it themselves, right? And that's when transformation or healing really happens. Mm. When the client can see it for themselves rather than me telling. So our job is not to tell a wise guide we are not their teachers. Hmm. We are facilitators. We just facilitate the process of healing. But hmm. the healing is done by the client on their own. Hmm. Very interesting. And art becomes a container or like the third in the room we call hmm. the art to help facilitate this. Amazing. And my last question to you, Anuba, and given all the amazing work you're doing, what are your future goals and aspirations for art sphere and soul sphere? Uh, I think to um, to spread awareness of mental health and the creative arts and then mental health is for everyone therapy is not only for people like we call them you know are you crazy that you're going for therapy and also to take it to populations which are not able to afford good quality mental health right now Mm. so to also be able to offer mindfulness programs in communities in places where mental health is yet to be recognized. Mm. So as a center, um, our vision is to provide good quality mental health care mm. to people who are coming here and to take it to communities and to foster uh, art engagement along with mental health to keep offering art experiences to people who may not be coming to therapy, right. but art as therapeutic. So offering mm. more art as therapeutic performances, uh, more articles, more podcasts, you know, just taking it out there, really taking this out there, making it accessible um, and making it affordable. I think that's that's what we, we've been trying to do. And do you see it going beyond the shores of India? Oh, we are already beyond the shores. Of India. Oh, you are? We are okay. already, physically, yes, physically we are in Pune, mm-hmm. but because of COVID, actually, that was a boom. First, we thought that we are limited by our physical space, but actually COVID opened up this horizon. And that's what I said, that we've been presenting the Buddhist and the Chakra work in all the countries' conferences, right? So we're taking it out, much, much out mm, over there. Fantastic. And on that note, Anuba, I just want to say thank you so much for speaking to me. I mean, I think I learned so many new things from you about art sphere and soul sphere, about the connection uh, between how healing and there are so many different aspects of the arts that we can associate ourselves with to be able to manage our own well-being our own uh, stresses and so many other challenges that we face in our lives thank you for speaking to me and good luck to you thank you thank you for listening to the brand called you video cast and podcast a platform that brings you knowledge experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in 
to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called Youth.